0: It's who I am. You are perfect. It's who I am. It's who I am. am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are.
1: A good, good Father. We at First Church would like to welcome you, whether you're here in person, listening on the radio, or watching on Facebook. We are blessed that you are part of our service and hope that our music and singing is uplifting, our Bible study is revealing, and our prayers impactful. We also hope that God's love and presence is felt while you worship with us this morning. Happy Father's Day. To all our earthly fathers and grandfathers, as we celebrate and honor them being in our lives, or if they're no longer with us, remember them for the unique role that they play in loving and supporting us. There's a lot happening here at First Church. Please look over the bulletin for items that may be of interest to you. A few items to note. Pastor Joel is preaching in his home church in New York this morning. We do have Pastor Tory. She'll be sharing a message, which is always a treat. She always has a lot of wisdom to share about living the life of a follower of Jesus. The roses on the altar are in honor of three couples celebrating wedding anniversaries. Larry and Becky Longsworth are celebrating 57 years today. Congratulations to the two of you. Jerry and Judy Cook will be celebrating 53 years on June 22nd. Uh, Robert and Joanne Wilkins will be celebrating 65 years on June 24th. So as you see them out and about, please wish them a happy anniversary. The bouquet on the altar is in memory of Roger Eversman and Gene Rediger. Roger entered into Christ's care. On Father's Day last year and Jean on Father's Day in 2017. We also extend our love and sympathy to the family of Michael Henschen. Michael entered into Christ's care on Wednesday June 9th. He was 77. You may greet the family at at the visitation on Monday June 21st from 3 to 7 at Cisco Funeral Home on Greenville Road in St. Mary's. On Tuesday, we welcome the Western Ohio Bicycle Adventure to New Knoxville. Up to 200 bicyclists will be traveling through town between 8 and 3. They will be stopping at First Church for water, snacks, and rest. The next wonderful Wednesday meal is June 30th. You can see the menu in the bulletin. We're looking for volunteers to help serve. If you know of anyone who needs a meal delivered, please call the office or talk to an elder. And now would you rise and join me in the call to worship. It is taken from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake. With their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Almighty God is with us. The Lord uh, is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And now we'll have our praise song, Cornerstone.
0: Trust in Jesus' name. Rest in His righteousness alone.
1: may be seated, and let's have the children come up for children's chat, as we seem to have a lot of the ladies that do children's chat, but I think this time we have a gent, right, doing children's chat. Oh, there he's coming. All right. He's all mic'd up and ready to go. see what happens. All right.
2: Oh, hey. Brought a piece of music with me there. Hey, good morning, everybody. We got, well, we got my kids. All right. This is going to be, it's going to be a real short message here. Well, good morning, everybody. A.K.A. U three. Got anybody else? Are we waiting on, watching, looking for traffic? Herschel. Maybe so. That's all right. It's just me, but that could be a problem. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. So today, today's scripture message is about building our life on one of two things. Does anyone know this story? We build our house or build our life on the sand or rock. or a rock. Yeah. So today I brought... What does this look like to you? What's in there? Is that sand in there? Yeah, well, yeah, you must have studied ahead of time. So, what do you think of that? What does that look like to you, Herschel? Does that look like a bag of sand? You got sand in the box at your house? Yeah? You got some sand? Okay. So, we kind of talked this, about this story a lot of the times, but you know, I was in my house this morning and I went downstairs, and you know what? There's really not a lot of stones used to build a house anymore. Instead, what do we use to build our houses? Wood up top and what's the basement made out of? Cement. Cement or concrete, right? So, we talk about how we need to build our life on the rock, build our life on God's love and his truth. There's and I think that's cre- rocks in there. there are some pebbles in there, yeah. And so what I'm going to tell you is this looks like a bag of sand, but it can be transformed it can be made into something different that's actually really good to build a house on. Because this is actually not just sand. This is a bag of sacrete. Okay? And so it can be transformed into something good and solid and hefty like this. You want to pass that around? You got that? Okay. So the only thing that we need to do to get this from something that's Really, this is not good to build a house on. It's kind of squishy and wibbly-wobbly. And we, we hear in the Bible story that, you know, the house falls down that's built on sand. But what is it? His shoes are on their own feet. <laughs> Your house must be a mess in the morning. Anyway. So, what does it take to get this this loose sand, this loose stuff to be something solid? And so... A lot of stuff in the Bible is all about water, isn't it? We talk about baptism. Um, Jesus turned the water into wine, we talk about how we're washed, you know And Jesus walks on water exactly. And so my point is, my point is and this goes, I think, for dads, too, this is for grown-ups, this is for kids. sometimes we feel like a bag of sand. We feel like we're not real strong, we feel like we're not real solid. We don't always do the right things. The point is we are transformed, and we can become like a rock if we bring that water of Jesus into our lives. What do you think about that? And actually, one of the best people in the Bible, his name is Peter. You know the stories of Peter? Stories, Peter's the one that says, I don't know Jesus at all. I'm not with him. He said that three times. Remember the night that Jesus died? So the point is, the name Peter actually means rock. You know, And so he became the rock, the solid good christian that jesus needed to build his entire church on around the world and he actually did some pretty not great stuff from time to time because he's just like us but he was transformed by the water maybe from something a little squishy and sandy and he was transformed into that rock something that that god and and jesus can depend and count on like the rock good talk all right let's hold our hands and pray Dear Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for these young hearts and minds and, um, and all of our hearts and minds this day. Let us be in this place of worship that your word may enrich and fulfill us and be transformative um, as is your will. Um, may this time together encourage us. May the reading of your word and its examination uh, enrich and fulfill our hearts. In your son's name we pray. Amen.
3: Thank you, Clinton. I think you might have had some of my sermon notes because we're also talking about Peter today, too. Um, So, awesome. That was a great children's chat. Thank you so much. Uh, This morning, our offering goes towards the Sunday School Department. um, And as the deacons come forward, the Rohrbahs are going to be blessing us with special music. And Aaron has a little bit of instruction for the special music this morning.
1: Morning. Thanks, Tori. Good morning and happy Father's Day. Uh, We're going to continue our worship this morning. We're going to play a few Good Country Gospel songs, I Saw the Light and I'll Fly Away. On the second song, I'll Fly Away, it's located in your blue hymnal on page 551. And when we start that song, or excuse me, 554. And when we begin to play, please join and worship with us this morning on I'll Fly Away. us on page 554, some glad morning.
3: to worship the Lord, let's continue on hymn number 402, The Solid Rock. Be seated. First of all, I want to wish a happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. I hope that you all have a wonderful day and feel loved and appreciated today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us together this morning to worship you. It is a gift to be able to come into your presence, Lord, and to worship together. God, we thank you for Father's Day and we thank you for the dads that we have in our lives. And we thank you that you've given them the best example for what it looks like to be a father. And Lord, we pray that they continue to model their lives after you. Lord, we also know that days like Father's Day can be difficult for some. We pray that for those who desire to be fathers, that, but for whatever reason that has not happened for them, we pray, Lord, that you'd be with them today. Comfort them and bring them your peace. We also lift up those on the cares and the concerns list this morning. You know every situation, and you know what is needed. And I pray that you would be with those individuals, Lord. And, Lord, there's also so many people that come into church each week, Lord, carrying loads and burdens, Lord, and unspoken prayer requests and other things through the doors with them, Lord. And, God, I just pray that you, you would be with those here that are hurting, that are maybe carrying a heavy load this morning, Lord. I pray that you would just... Uh, lift that load for them, that your spirit would be with them, and that you would give them comfort and peace that passes all understanding. Lord, I pray that as we continue to worship in our service this morning, that you would open our hearts and our minds for what you have for us. Help us to be focused on you. Help us to be open to your word. And God, I pray that your spirit would guide our hearts as we continue to worship you. And God, we pray all of these things in your son's name, who taught us to pray, saying,
4: The scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew 7, verses 21 through 29. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law.
3: Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we dive into our scripture this morning. Heavenly Father, I just thank you again, Lord, for the chance to worship you. I thank you for um, the way that you work, the way that your spirit works, Lord. And God, I ask that your spirit would be present this morning with us as we dive into your word, as we talk about the wise and foolish builders, Lord. Help us to uh, have open hearts and open minds for what you have for us this morning. And Lord, I ask that you would work through me, that your spirit would speak in whatever way you need me to speak this morning. And may you be big and I be little. We love you and we thank you for this time. Amen. So this past Monday, I decided to take the day off to do a little bit of VBS recovery, but also to spend some time with Jake. And so we decided to get out of town, and we went down to the Green Shopping Center in Dayton. And while we were there, we decided to go into the bookstore. Now, it's been a long time since I've been into a bookstore, and I forgot how much I love wandering the aisles, just looking at all the books and reading the backs of them. And I love reading. I've always loved reading, and especially in the summer months. To me, there's really nothing better than sitting out on a patio or by the pool with a good book and just getting lost in the story for hours. And, you know, I think the reason that I love to read is because I learn best through stories. Does anybody else learn through stories? Yeah. And I love that we serve a God who knows that we all learn differently, because if you look at the story of Scripture, there's a little bit of everything for everyone and all learning styles on every page. There are things like maps and numbers and figures for people that are maybe more logic learners or visual learners. There are things like genealogies and family histories throughout that you can piece together throughout Scripture. And there's also stories. And there's parables that help drive home important lessons for us to take into our daily lives. And so this morning, we're going to focus on the parable of the wise and foolish builders in Matthew 7. And in scripture, a parable is a story that uses everyday experiences to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. And so this parable has always stuck out to me uh, because I've seen this story come to life on the shores of Michigan go through water level cycles. And so when my family first moved to Michigan, when I was in sixth grade, the water levels had been at an all time low. And so we would take the boat out onto Lake Michigan and there would be hundreds of yards of beach for people to sit on and spend the day on. And sometimes the water was so low that in order to get out of the channel, we had to get out of our own boat and walk it over the sandbars that had formed in the channel and along the shoreline just to get out onto the big lake. But over time, the lake levels began to rise, thankfully, and about two years ago, those water levels on the lake were the highest that I've ever seen. And in the fall of 2019, Muskegon was hit with some pretty big storms that that brought heavy winds and about 15 to 20-foot waves. And those high wind and waves lasted through the fall and into the winter months, months, and they eroded a lot of the shoreline. They, the waves destroyed channels, they destroyed property, there was no more beach left. And you know, a lot of people build houses on Lake Michigan. And having a house on the lake with a view of the lake is really awesome, but it's also risky. Because if you want to have a view of the water, you're most likely going to be building your house on a sand dune. And sand dunes don't really make the best foundations. And so unfortunately now, When you look down the shoreline, you can see the results of people that built their house on sand dunes. You know, there's some houses that have not been affected by the erosion and the high wind and waves at all. And you can tell by looking at those houses that they planned for that. They planned for the sands to shift and the tides to change and all of those things. And many of those houses have retaining walls or rocks in front of them just to help protect their house against the elements. But other houses were not necessarily built with that in mind. And some of those houses right now are a few strong storms and waves away from sliding down into Lake Michigan. And, you know, when I read the parable of the wise and foolish builders, I always picture those houses. The ones that are slowly slipping down the sand dunes because their foundation could not stand up to the elements. You know, foundations matter, right? The foundation, uh, the foundation of our homes matter. But the foundations that we build our lives on matter even more. So think about for a minute all the different foundations that you have in your life. Your house hopefully has a well-built foundation to stand up long-term, right? And the relationships that you've built throughout your life with your friends, your kids, your spouses, whatever, have all been built on various foundations. And our faith also needs a foundation to be built on. And so this morning, we're diving into the parable of the wise and foolish builders, and it comes at the tail end of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, I wish that we had time to go through the Sermon on the Mount today because it's so, it's so good. But if you haven't spent time studying the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5-7 through 7 and Luke 6, I strongly suggest that you spend some time there this week. You know, these, this sermon is a guide for what it looks like to live as disciples of Christ. And also how to live as citizens of the kingdom of God in the world around us today. And you know, the main point of the Sermon on the Mount is that relationship with Christ and heartfelt obedience to God are foundational for the life of a believer. And so before we dive into this parable, I think it's really important that we back up a little bit and we look at the warning that Jesus gave to the disciples. Because this warning is really key to understanding the entire parable. And so Jesus says in Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many people will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. So this passage is a little bit frightening. And in fact, this warning is considered by some scholars as one of the scariest passages in all of Scripture because Jesus is talking to believers in these two verses. He, and he's saying that the believers will come to him and will be turned away from him because he doesn't know them, because he doesn't have a true relationship with them. And Jesus is, is addressing self-deceived disciples. And the problem with these disciples is that they think that they have a relationship with Jesus because they're doing all of these things for him and in his name. And this is a warning for us too as believers, because on the judgment day of Christ, there will be many self-deceived believers that are turned away from Jesus. You know, they might have heard his words weekly in church. These people might have been sitting in the pews of churches since they were little and they might even be doing good works in his name, but Jesus will still turn to them and say, I never knew you, because he never had a true relationship with them. That's kind of a scary thought, isn't it? Because in the end, there's only one basis for salvation. And it's not just a verbal confession of praying the sinner's prayer. And it's not just spiritual works, but it's knowing Jesus and being known by him. That's the basis For salvation, it's our connection to Him by the gift of faith that He gives us that secures our salvation. You know, connected to Jesus, we're secure, but without connection to Him, all the miracles, the great works, the good things that we can do in His name, even prove nothing. They don't prove that we have a relationship with Him at all. And so, being a true disciple of Christ is all about knowing Jesus as your personal Lord and savior and being known by him. And that can only come from having a real relationship with Jesus. And so Jesus, in this warning, challenged his disciples to carefully examine their hearts. And he's challenging us to do that too, so that we're not self-deceived by the authenticity of our relationship and our commitment to him. You know, I love, I've been thinking a lot about what Mark Bird said last week. I loved his sermon and it was all about Jesus wanting our hearts, right? And that's what Jesus is really getting at in this passage. Jesus wants your heart. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to know you deeply. But Jesus also leaves that up to us to decide if we're going to have a relationship with him. And so we all have to ask ourselves the question, does Jesus have my heart? Is he Lord and Savior, personal Lord and Savior of my life? If not, then like this warning says, You might be turned away with the many, and Christ will say, I never knew you on Judgment Day. And so after this scary warning, that really set the tone for this this parable that we're about to get into. And so Jesus tells the parable, uh, the crowd, the parable of the wise and foolish builders. And this parable is one that the crowd would really connect with and really understand because they knew the Sea of Galilee well. And Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount in Galilee. So I'm sure that there was a view of the sea somewhere in the vicinity. And so these people would know that this, the sand on the shore of the sea was rock hard in the summer months. It was baked by the sun. It was really solid foundation in the summer. But they would also know that during the stormy season and during all the, the rest of the year, that the sand could be soft and it could be unpredictable. And so they would know how foolish it would be for someone to build a house on the shoreline of the sea without having a foundation underneath it. And so Jesus, being the master storyteller, master teacher, he uses this everyday knowledge to show the crowds the difference between a true disciple of Christ and a self-deceived disciple. And so the true disciple of Christ is the wise builder. And the wise builder built his house carefully on the rock. And I love what Luke 6 account, the Luke 6 account of this parable. It says, the wise man dug down deep, and he laid the foundation on the rock. And when the floods came, the torrent that struck the house, but it could not shake it because it was well built. So the wise, that this this sand was just a facade. That it wasn't going to stay this solid for that for all, the entire year. And so he dug down deep. He put in the work and dug down to build his home on a strong foundation, on the bedrock. And so Jesus compares this builder to someone that listens to Jesus' words and puts them into practice. You know, someone that I would consider, and apparently Clinton does as well, um, as a wise builder is Peter. And Peter has, has, was a disciple of Christ. From the very beginning right and now peter he did some foolish things you know he was a bit of a hothead he didn't always think before he spoke and he got himself into some not so great situations every once in a while and he also kind of created a storm for himself by denying jesus three times but peter still had a relationship with christ and in john 6 when people were abandoning jesus he turned to the disciples and asked If they wanted to leave him too. And Peter responded by saying, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to know and to believe that you are the Holy One of God. And I love those two words, to believe and to know, right? That indicates a personal relationship with Jesus that Peter had. It indicates that Peter knew Jesus, believed who he was, but also that Jesus knew him as well. And it was because of their relationship that, Peter, that Jesus was able to use Peter to help build the church. And, you know, the thing I love about Peter is that even though he messed up, even though he was a fool sometimes, even though he made some poor decisions, he never gave up. He still built his life on Christ and kept living for him, even though it cost him his life in the end. You know, a wise builder, like Peter, is someone that has a relationship with the Lord and lives their lives out of that relationship by obeying Jesus. Now, it's important to remember that it's not uh, just about the works that we can do or the good things that we can do for Jesus. None of those things will save us, right? It's all about our relationship with Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, we've been given the gift of salvation in relationship with Christ, and but love for Jesus and obedience to his word cannot be separated. We were created to live for Christ And to work for him, but that only comes after we know him as our personal Lord and Savior. And so Jesus has laid the foundation for a wise person to build their lives on. And it is through relationship and love for Christ and obedience to him that we're able to then build on that foundation. And so the wise builder is the one who listens to the words and puts them into action into action. But the foolish builder is the one who doesn't, right? The foolish man built his house on the sand. He surveyed the land. He thought that it was good enough for him to build on. And, you know, he may have been warned about building his house on the sand by people in the neighborhood, but, you know, he didn't really listen to them. And Jesus says, But anyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And so Jesus says the foolish builder is a person who hears the words, even understands the words, but does nothing with it. You know, one example of a foolish builder from scripture is Judas Iscariot. And he was one of the 12 disciples. And Judas is kind of, he's kind of hard to understand because Judas heard the words of Christ. He followed Jesus for three years of his life. I mean, that is a long time if you think about it. Every single day being with Jesus and doing ministry with him. And Christ used him Christ used him along with the other 12 disciples to, you know, perform miracles, drive out demons, help people come to know Jesus, and all the disciples thought that Judas was a true disciple of Christ. But Judas betrayed Jesus for money, and he had been a self-deceived believer all along. And you know, it's really easy for us to rag on Judas because he's an example of someone that really, really messed up in scripture. But in reality, Judas is no different than some of us. It's not like Judas was this horrible, awful, evil person from the very beginning. No, he was like us. He was the one who was doing the Christian thing. He did the works. He did the ministry alongside of the disciples. He heard the words that Jesus was saying, but nothing took root. None of those things took root, and none of them led to true repentance, to heart change, to life change, and true relationship with Jesus. You know, when I think about it, there are a lot of people in my life that might fall into this foolish builder category. And, you know, they th- these people think that they have a foundation on Christ because they're a good person or they know of Jesus and they've heard the words of Jesus, but they do nothing with them. You know, we can know of Jesus. We can have a deep understanding of who he is as a person even, but head knowledge and good works are not enough. Those things will not provide a firm foundation for our lives because Jesus wants your heart. He wants a real relationship with you. And apart from him, we have no foundation for our lives. And we can try as hard as we want to to build our lives on good works or other things, but those foundations in the end are always going to fail us. They're always going to fail because the storms of life are going to come. Things are going to test that foundation. And if it's not built on Christ, it's going to fall every single time. And so the builders that Jesus talks about in this passage are very similar, right? They both built a house. They built the house in the same area, which kind of puts them within the framework of the true believers. And on the outside, they both look like Christian houses. But the only difference between the two is the foundation, And the foundation is what matters most to the Lord. But here's the deal. This foundation that we've been talking about this morning, it's already been laid for us. We don't have to do the work of laying this foundation ourselves because God already did that. And in fact, in Isaiah 28 verses 16, it says, So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. This foundation has been tested. It is sturdy. It is worth building our lives on. And, you know, we just spent a whole week of VBS teaching roughly 150 kids, give or take on the day, about building their lives on the firm foundation of Jesus. And the same things that we taught them still apply here because Jesus gives us so many things for us to build our lives on. He gives us a foundation of love to build our life on. It says in John 15:9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. God loved Jesus with a love that has no beginning and no end. It's a close, it's a personal love, and it cannot be measured, and it's unchanging. And Jesus turns around and loves us with that same love. He promises to love us no matter what, but we can only experience that love in relationship with Christ when we build our lives on him. Jesus also gives us a foundation of forgiveness and of worth. Romans 5, 6 through 8 says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, we are all sinners in need of a savior, right? We all have that in common. We all have sin in common. And we cannot save ourselves by our good works or being a good person. None of those things will even begin to touch our sinfulness. But God loves you enough that he took on your sinfulness, your shame, your brokenness to bring you back into relationship with the Father. And then Jesus looks at us and he says that you were worth dying for. And through his death on the cross, we've been given a foundation of worth. John 1.12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. See, Jesus has given us this incredible foundation for us to build our lives on. But in order to start building... We have to be born again. We have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. We have to place our faith, our trust, and our lives in Jesus and make him personal Lord and Savior of our lives. And when we accept Jesus into our lives, when we invite him into our hearts, then we become children of God and we're adopted into the biggest family that you can even imagine. But Jesus, just like he left this choice for having a relationship up to the crowd, he also leaves that choice up to us. He, he, lets, he leaves it up to us on whether or not we want to know him and be known by him. And so after Jesus finished with the Sermon on the Mount, Scripture says the crowd responded in a different way. It says the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Notice what Matthew says here. He says the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Here's the deal. When the Bible talks about people being amazed at people's teaching, that doesn't indicate acceptance or commitment to Jesus. It just means that they were wowed by what he said. And now we have no idea if anyone came out of the crowds and, uh, and accepted Jesus or started following him after the Sermon on the Mount. All we know is that people were amazed. And you know, sometimes we respond the same way. You know, it's easy to sit in church every single week and hear great sermons and good, solid biblical teaching and do nothing with it. And we can easily be amazed at the messages we hear and then go about our day after the service is over. But that's exactly what a foolish builder would do. The foolish builder would hear the words of Jesus, think they're awesome, and then do nothing with them. But Jesus is calling us to not be a foolish builder, to come out of the crowds and he's calling us to be like the wise builder and build our lives on him and by putting his words into action. James 1:22 through 25 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. You know, this passage in James is exactly what Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. We need to be wise and put God's word into action in our daily lives. And he's calling us to decide whether we're with him or we're against him. And he draws a dividing line between him and any other foundation that we might try to build our lives upon through the example of these two builders. And so, you know, the reality is is that we know that we're not going to be on this earth forever. Jesus could take any of us home today, or he could come back tomorrow, right? And regardless of what happens, how it happens, when it happens, scripture still calls us to be prepared. We have to live with eternity in mind and because the way that we live our life here is important. And the foundation that we build our lives on matters because what we sow here, we reap there. And Jesus has given every single person in this room, every single person on this earth, a choice. A choice to accept him as your personal Lord and Savior and to wisely build your life on him or to be a foolish builder. And build your life on a foundation that is always going to fail you. But the choice is yours. Will you build your life on the firm foundation of Christ? Or will you continue to try to build on the shifting sands that will always fail? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you call us to be wise. Lord, that you have laid this foundation of love, of forgiveness, of worth, Lord. And you looked at us and you said that we were worth dying for. God, I pray for anyone in this room who does not know you, that they would come to know you as personal Lord and Savior. Lord, I also pray for those in this room, and sometimes myself, I fall into this category, Lord, of where I am foolish. We are foolish. Sometimes we try to build our lives on things that just don't matter. Lord, help redirect us to build our lives on you. Help us to be wise in how we live. Help us to put into action the words and the things that you tell us to do as your disciples. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the the words in the scripture that remind us to be wise builders. Amen. If you would stand and join us in our last praise song, Build My Life. How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You may go in peace.
5: When I feel like real, well, the walls are going to cave around me. I think about the way your love and grace and peace have found me. I remember what you said. You I will never, ever
0: leave me.
5: So I'm holding
0: on to all your promises. I build my Shifting stands, I build my life on you, Jesus,
5: Jesus. When the wind and rain try to wash away my
0: shelter, you will not be moved. The walls you build will stand forever. I remember what you say. You will never